Good afternoon. Thank you for paying attention and listening in and watching. We appreciate it. Today is Wednesday, January 13th. I am joined today by Dr. Janae Caldoun, our Chief Medical Executive, DHHS Director Robert Gordon, and Chief Operating Officer for the Office of the Governor, uh, Trish Foster. They all will be addressing various aspects to next steps here in Michigan and what we're seeing in terms of virus spread and vaccination administration. This week, uh, after I led a group of nine governors from California to New York and many states in between, uh, we requested that the Trump administration release the millions of doses of the vaccines that they are currently holding back. And I am pleased to report that they have granted our request. That's good news. And the Department of Health and Human Services also announced that this is the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, also announced that they will follow Michigan's lead and begin vaccinating Americans age 65 and up. As you recall, we've started that policy and now the feds have embraced it and that's good news as well. Michigan has been a national leader in fighting COVID-19. Leading this group of nine governors um, is one example showing the U.S. federal government that it's time to move into this next segment is another. And we have developed a strategy to accelerate vaccines in Michigan. We had to lead because from the beginning, the feds failed to develop a national strategy. Early on, it was a failure around a national strategy for PPE, the masks and gloves that our frontline providers needed, to a failure uh, to develop a national strategy around testing. And now we're seeing the same thing, unfortunately, with regard to vaccine distribution. We are facing a new but welcome challenge, and that is increased demand for the vaccine. And that's why we're working so hard to get more doses into the state of Michigan. So to get more shots in arms, we need HHS's help. So the more, most recent announcement will certainly help us do more, but we would be even more helped. We would be in an even stronger position if they also allowed us to purchase, Michigan to directly purchase more vaccines. And that was the letter that I requested of the Trump administration yesterday or earlier this week. I also urge the Trump administration to actually purchase vaccines that have been allotted for the United States. That is an unanswered question that we've been posing for weeks. We want to know that the United States has actually purchased these vaccines. This is critical for our planning purposes and our ability to get shots in arms. We have community partners, local health departments, hospital systems, pharmacies, all are ready to ramp up administering vaccinations to meet our goal of 50,000 shots in arms per day. We continue to wait for more details from the federal government as to the timing of delivery, and we stand ready to support our registered providers with support from the Michigan National Guard and pharmacy staff, as well as technical support to expedite the vaccination process. I'm happy to announce today that the state has chosen Meyer as an initial pharmacy partner to help us administer the COVID-19 vaccines. Meyer has 120 pharmacies across our state, and they will help us get closer to our goal. 
My administration also announced on Monday that the Unemployment Insurance Agency has begun issuing the $300 weekly payments to an estimated 365,000 claimants here in Michigan. This is good news for workers across the state who have lost their job as a result of this pandemic. It will help people put food on the table for themselves and their families. It will help them pay rent and utility bills and buy warm clothes to get through our Michigan winter. But there is, without question, more work to do. Last month, I called on the federal government to pass a relief bill that included the $2,000 stimulus checks for Americans who are struggling to get by. I still believe that that is absolutely necessary, and I'm still hopeful that they will work together to get it done for Michiganders and Americans everywhere who are struggling and worried about just keeping a roof over their heads. I'm hopeful that the legislature will vote to permanently expand unemployment benefits for Michiganders, as I have called on them to do many times before. I'm also excited to announce employee assistance grants for those whose employment at entertainment and recreational venues and restaurants was impacted due to COVID-19. This grant program puts dollars in the pockets of Michiganders who work in hospitality, in entertainment, recreation, accommodation, and food service sectors, as well as the gym and fitness sectors. These Michiganders have made great sacrifices and continue to make great sacrifices as we fight COVID-19. So this grant program will help offset some of the financial loss that they've incurred through furlough, layoff, or job loss, or a reduction of hours because of the virus. Eligible individuals can apply for one-time grants of up to $1,650. There's a 10-day window to apply for this grant from January 15th through January 25th. So please don't wait to apply for the grant program. It opens up on Friday. For details regarding the application process, go to www.mralaef.org money. Applications will be processed through February and payments will be issued in March. These dollars come from my stimulus plan that I announced in November. Now, just as the state and states all across the country need resources and vaccines, it is clear that additional relief and resources are desperately needed for small businesses throughout the state. Tomorrow, the Michigan Strategic Fund Board will hold a special meeting to con consider the authorization of $58.5 million in additional COVID-19 support for small businesses to help them keep their lights on, pay their employees, and in some cases, prepare to reopen when the time comes. This will include $55 million for Michigan Small Business Survival Grant Program, working with 15 regional economic development organizations across the state to help administer those grants. It will also include $3.5 million for the Michigan Stages Survival Grant Program, working with the Michigan Independent Venue and Promoters Association to administer that program. This support is part of the bipartisan stimulus package I signed into law last month, which I proposed to the legislature in November to provide the desperately needed relief to our state's small businesses, relief that they need right now. The MEDC will be providing details on how to apply for both these programs tomorrow following the Michigan Strategic Fund Board action. Working with the MEDC, we have already helped get more than $180 million 
into the hands of small businesses, our workforce, and communities that need it based on the impact of COVID-19. With more than 18,500 businesses receiving emergency support and relief at this time. As we continue working to combat this virus, my administration and I are doing all we can to build on this support to make sure our small businesses not only survive the pandemic, but continue to succeed long after it has passed. As I've said before, the factors we are looking at when making decisions are falling cases, percent of COVID hospital beds available, and falling positive test rates. Our numbers have been headed in the right direction. While there has been a slight uptick in our positive and our percent positivity rate, our cases per million have plateaued and more hospital beds are becoming available. The pause that DHHS issued is working. And we are once again standing out in the Midwest and across the country as a leader in fighting this virus. Today, we are confident that DHHS can lift some of the protocols that were previously in place. Starting January 16th until January 31st, indoor group fitness and exercise class may resume with masks and indoor non-contact sports may resume. If numbers continue to head in the right direction, our hope is that we will be able to resume indoor dining with strong safety measures in place on February 1st. We're working on a path to allow indoor dining at restaurants with safety measures such as mask requirements, capacity limits, and a curfew starting on February 1. We'll have more details to announce on this plan in the coming days. We need to get this right. I think it's important to always reiterate our, the strength that we have now, the goals that we have made, uh, the leadership position that we are in is all very tenuous. It depends on all of us continuing to take this virus seriously. And I know that the numbers are overwhelming and this moment has been hard. But I was aghast when I saw the national reporting last night that we lost 4,300 people in one 24-hour period in this nation. We're having a 9-11 event every day in this country. This virus is still a very real threat. And so masking up, social distancing, hand washing, these remain incredibly important tools that we have and we hope people will continue to make sure that we're using those tools so we can open up more of this um, parts of our economy that has, been, that has been struggling. It's essential that we take an effective fact-based uh, approach to protect patrons, restaurant workers, and small business owners. Our restaurant owners have made considerable sacrifices over the past 10 months to keep communities safe and to save lives. And there's no question it's been hard for the owners, for their employees. I know that it has not been easy. And there are a lot of people out there who've spent their lives building up their businesses and they are precarious and some of them may not have made it already. We are here to try to make sure that we get through this time together. So we're doing everything we can to protect you and your workers. I was proud to work across the aisle on the bipartisan $100 million relief package to provide some much needed support for our small businesses. And I can tell you a number of governors here in the Midwest and I met with the Biden administration, the incoming Biden administration, to make the case on behalf of restaurants and restaurant workers, among other things. Our work is not done, and I'm ready and will continue to work across the aisle
with the legislature and federal government to make sure that we get support for these businesses and our workforce. And I'll keep you updated on Michigan's numbers, whether we remain on track to resume this dining on February 1st, which is our, all of our greatest hope. So I wanna end with a story before I turn it over to Dr. J. Fred Peoples, a 90-year-old Air Force veteran and Grand Rapids resident, was among the first in line to receive a safe and effective COVID vaccine at Spectrum Health on Monday. Before the pandemic, Fred worked out at the YMCA at 5 a.m. five days a week. He says he hopes to make it to 110, which is why he took every precaution during this pandemic to stay safe. He said when he found out he could get the vaccine, he was so excited that he, quote, about flipped. I'm telling this story because I hope every Michigander feels that excited about getting this vaccine. If you haven't already, make your plan to get the vaccine for when it becomes available to you. Please be patient. We do not have enough vaccines and it takes, a, takes time to administer these vaccines, but we are building quickly and it looks like we're gonna be coming into more vaccines soon. So please be patient, but make your plan and make sure your friends and family know that you're doing it. So hopefully they will as well. This is the greatest tool that we have to end this pandemic. Trish Foster is here to say more about our vaccination efforts, but I wanna urge Michiganders, I'm gonna say this at probably every press conference for a while, to be patient as we try to get more doses from the federal government. Do your research and until this pandemic is over, remember, double down on masking up and hand washing and social distancing and avoiding indoor gatherings where this virus spreads from person to person. Just because we're lifting some protocols now does not mean we should let our guard down for a second. Be smart and be safe. And with that, I'll hand it over to Dr. J. Good afternoon. Thank you, Governor. So we are currently at 525,612 cases and 13,501 deaths due to COVID-19 in the state. Here's where we are with the key metrics we are tracking. Our case rate is at 265 cases per million. After declining to a low of 239, the rate has increased and may now be plateauing. Most Merck regions continue to have rates over 300 cases per million people per day. The percent of tests that are coming back positive is now 9.1%, having gone between 8.1% and 10% over the past week. Half of the Merck regions have positivity over 10%. This is the first time both the case rate and the positivity have changed direction since mid-November. Although these rates may be plateauing, we need to continue to watch these numbers closely. 12.1% of available inpatient beds are filled with COVID-19 patients. The good news is that continues to decrease. However, the rate of that decrease is slowing. So overall, we are in a much better place with our numbers than we were in the beginning of November. And we're in a much better place than most other states. However, while we have not identified the new, more easily transmitted mutation of the virus in Michigan yet, that new strain is present in several other states. And it may be present in Michigan. We just have not identified it yet. 
So the most important thing we can all do is to continue to be careful. Wear your mask and wear it properly over your nose and mouth every time. Make sure to maintain a proper social distance and avoid large gatherings. If you are sick or have been exposed to someone who has been sick, please do quarantine appropriately and get a test. These are still the very basic things that we have to do to prevent the spread of this virus. We are making progress in our efforts to vaccinate as many people as possible in the state. Our goal is to vaccinate 70% of people over the age of 16 as quickly as possible. We are continuing to see increases in the number of people vaccinated each week. Our local health departments, healthcare systems, pharmacies, and others are building out and implementing their vaccination plans. You can see here how much progress we have made with almost six times as many people vaccinated last week as were vaccinated in the first week of vaccine rollout in December. I applaud the efforts of our partners in accelerating this vaccination effort. As of this past Monday, people who are over the age of 65, childcare and pre-K through 12 teachers and staff, first responders, jail and prison workers, and workers in other congregate settings like homeless shelters are eligible to receive the vaccine. While we are pleased that we could move forward with these groups, we know that there is not enough vaccine available in the state to be able to vaccinate all of these populations, and it will take several months to complete at the current rate of vaccines that we are receiving in the state. This means that there will not be enough appointments right now for everyone who wants to be vaccinated. We are working hard to bring more vaccines into Michigan and to identify additional locations for people who want to be vaccinated. Please don't show up to any location without an appointment. You will not be able to get a vaccine that way, unfortunately. But you should go to our website, michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. We have a list there of all the local health departments that are offering vaccine and how to schedule an appointment if one is available. So overall, I'm pleased with the progress we are making. Vaccines are rolling out and we continue to make progress with that every day. These vaccines are the way that we will end this pandemic. While I'm concerned about the slight uptick in cases after the holidays, we are not seeing the surge in hospitalizations that we saw in the beginning of November. So let's all keep doing our part to bring this pandemic to an end in Michigan. Wear your mask, wash your hands, and please do choose to get a vaccine when it is your turn. And with that, I will turn it over to MDHHS Director Robert Gordon. Uh, next slide, please. Good afternoon, and thank you, Dr. Caldean. Let me start out repeating something the governor said. The pause has worked. Take a look at this graph comparing Michigan with other Midwestern states. When the pause began in mid-November, we had a higher case rate than Ohio, and our rate was going up as fast as our neighbors. If you look at what has happened since, we hit a peak lower than our neighbors, and we have fallen to the lowest case rate in the region. The state doing next best, Illinois, has a pause very similar to ours. As we reduce the number of cases, we also save lives. 
Michigan's death rate was surging in November. It plateaued at a high rate, and it has since begun to come down. So because of the actions we have taken, we have avoided thousands of COVID cases, and there is every reason to believe we have saved hundreds of lives. Untold more are not facing the daunting prospects of long-haul COVID. But we also recognize the toll that the pause is taking on people, especially now that it's winter, not to be able to exercise like normal, not to be able to dine out, not to be able to work and earn a living. COVID is taking a physical and emotional toll on all of us. Go to the next slide, please. Caution has worked for us in Michigan, and we are staying with our cautious approach today. For the most part, the prior order remains in place. This includes prohibiting indoor gatherings outside the household where masks are removed. There is one change. In order to support physical and mental health, we'll be permitting indoor athletics, provided there is distancing and masking. So group exercise classes can open with distancing and masking. Young people can practice sports in gyms with distancing and masking. Playing those same sports competitively, if it involves contact, is not allowed. Playing outdoor contact sports, except with the special testing under the department's rules, is also not allowed. The governor spoke about reopening restaurants. That is something we will plan to do on February 1st. Now, indoor dining brings risk because it involves taking off masks. We will have more to say soon about steps to mitigate these risks as best as possible based on our experience with the pandemic, reducing the number of people in restaurants and improving ventilation in particular. In the meantime, I want to echo what both Governor Whitmer and Dr. Caldoun said. Now is not the time to let down our guard. Our actions on February 1st will depend on what happens with the pandemic between now and then. For the remainder of January, we continue to advise, do not gather indoors outside your household, especially if you are taking off your mask. Unmasked indoor gatherings with the removal of masks can only put at risk our progress against COVID, our efforts to save lives, and our plan to reopen restaurants. If you're eligible to be vaccinated, please take the steps that Dr. Caldoun outlined to get your vaccine. That too will help us reopen and get back to normal faster. We have become so much safer in the last two months, and we are so close to relief from vaccines. Let's stay on a path back to normal for all Michiganders. And with that, I will turn it over to the state's chief operating officer, Joshua Foster. Good afternoon. My name is Trish Foster, and I'm the governor's chief operating officer and executive lead on the state's operational response to containing COVID. I last spoke with all of you in late spring about increasing our testing capacity throughout the state. I'm gonna take a moment now to discuss the state's vaccine distribution goals. Our team is working around the clock to help registered providers. There are over 1,218 of them put as many shots in arms as possible each day. 
We've remained flexible so that we can adjust to whatever news we hear from the federal government about either more or less supply. Certainty in the number of doses and timing of doses is essential to efficiently administer vaccine appointments. There is currently not enough supply to allow every eligible Michigander to obtain a vaccine appointment. We're as disappointed as you. Our overall goal is to get at least 70% of Michiganders age 16 and older vaccinated as soon as possible. You've heard that. That means 5.6 million residents. In the best of circumstances, this will take considerable time. We were originally told that Michigan would receive over 300,000 vaccines per week and planned accordingly. But that weekly number has been significantly reduced. For example, Michigan has received only 60,000 Pfizer vaccines per week for the past few weeks, and those have been distributed to providers. Our original plan was to vaccinate nearly 50,000 people per day, and that is impossible with the number of vaccines we are receiving each week. There is not enough vaccine to go around, and thankfully, though, demand is increasing. We need the federal government to step up and get more vaccines out the door so that you can get an appointment to get your vaccine. Every dose of the vaccine that we have been received has been delivered to a provider, and that provider has scheduled the dose to be administered. I want to be very clear. The state of Michigan is not sitting on doses of vaccine. Every provider is working diligently to schedule through all vaccine doses within a, a week of receipt. We are meeting with our partners in the healthcare industry, local health departments, and the business community regularly. They have moved mountains to help get you an appointment. We have made significant steps forward together. We set a goal to use 90% of doses in seven days, and our providers have worked diligently to meet this goal. We also modified phase 1B and allowed 1B to start while 1A was still rolling. As a result of those strategic moves, shots in arms for the last week went from 12,000 a day to over 33,000 a day. Let me repeat, we tripled the number of shots in arms in one week. That's progress, but we still have so much more work to do. Which is why the governor requested the federal government release held back vaccines and ask permission to purchase more. We don't want to have our healthcare professionals have to cancel scheduled appointments. We need more product today and tomorrow and ongoing. Regular, consistent, and greater weekly supply is what we need right now. So we're asking Michiganders for some patience. As soon as we get the supply we need, we'll begin moving closer to our 50,000 shots per day goal. Collectively, we have the tools and resources. We only need the supply. When we know how many doses we will get and when with consistency, the plan we hope to implement in December will come to fruition this month. Any shot in an arm sooner than it would otherwise be provided is a win. We will also continue to push the federal government on their long-term and skilled nursing home residence plan in our state. We have requested that they move more quickly through this population by threading in more ready, willing, and able pharmacy partners in Michigan into the program, like Meyer, Kroger, Cardinal, Walmart, Costco, and so many others. This is not easy. We anticipate that it will still be bumpy, but it's getting faster. We are encouraged that Michiganders are interested in getting vaccinated, 
and we are disappointed that there are not currently enough vaccines to get each of you an appointment. We are doing everything possible with our federal, state, local, and private partners to get more vaccines in this state to ensure that every vaccine possible is in an arm efficiently. Team operations is only requesting a little bit of patience while we work deliberately with the feds to determine how their announcement to honor the governor's request yesterday translates into more vaccines for Michiganders. We will continue to do everything possible to move quickly and ask for resource assistance anywhere possible to achieve our goal. 70% of Michiganders vaccinated as soon as possible. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to open it up for questions. I know we covered a lot today. I know that there are different experts that are here with me. So um, I'm hopeful that perhaps if there are questions about um, vaccine numbers in the state where we are, uh, questions about the efficacy of, of the vaccine, that we can direct those to Dr. J. Uh, questions around administration of the vaccine and operations to uh, Trish Foster or questions around the order to Director Gordon. There's a lot of us and they're, they're back there trying to be socially distanced. Um, and so I appreciate your patience and directing the questions to the person uh, that is most likely to be able to answer it. So with that, let's open it up. Great, thank you, Governor. Um, the first question will come from Zach Gorchow, Gongor. Good afternoon, Governor. Uh, so the, the restaurant industry, as you know, is, I mean, they're furious. They, they feel like the goalposts keep getting moved on them. Uh, the, the, they were told if the case numbers, the positivity numbers, the hospitalization numbers came down, 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 uh, there was a chance they'd even be able to reopen before January 15th. Instead, now it's being extended out to February 1. Um, can you explain why, even though the case numbers have come way down, uh, seven-day average is, I think, less than half what it was before the pause in November. The positivity numbers are down and the hospitalization numbers are, I think, roughly about half what they were in November. That so you've decided to extend this another, another couple of weeks. So first, let me start with this. The restaurant uh, industry across the country, around the globe, frankly, is struggling because we know that places where people are mixing households, taking off their masks and dining inside, it's inherently where we see spread. Study after study after study has shown that. It's not their fault that, that, that the activity in which they engage is inherently more risky. It's the nature of this virus. And we are mindful of how hard it is, and that's why we've worked so hard to get assistance to ensure that they've got the ability to do takeout, that they have the ability to do outdoor dining. I know it's cold, but I have seen Michiganders in snowsuits outside at their favorite restaurant. We have done a number of things to help try to get them through this tough time. The fact of the matter is, uh, as we are looking at the numbers, we see uh, an uptick in positivity and in tests. And that is as a concern that we all had was around what might happen with the holidays. Hospitalizations are a lagging indicator. So when you see an uptick in those numbers, often two weeks later, you see an uptick in hospitalizations. That's why it's really important that we promulgate mitigation measures so that when they open, and it's my fervent belief and hope that that will continue to proceed, that we've got a 
that we've got a date that we can work toward that with the industry to make sure that we can keep their patrons and their employees safe as they as they open and that's that's really truly where our focus has been the the numbers as i've said this is what we're watching this is what we're seeing dr j has shared the data with you and i think that's um something that you know is is what has driven all of our our decisions we want the industry to be successful i know that people are frustrated and that it's been a difficult thing i've talked to my fellow governors on both sides of the aisle they're dealing with similar things and in, in states all across the country it's just the nature of this virus and we've given a path where we want people to be successful along this path and that's why we're calling on everyone to double down on what we need to do to keep these numbers down and to help restaurants by supporting them but also working with us so that as they open they are safe and we don't have to take steps backward because that as hard as this has been would be additionally devastating okay governor the next question will come from dave with the detroit free press hi thank you for taking my question and, and this might be for um trisha foster but I'm, I'm a little confused about the distribution of vaccinations if your office is saying that the state has distributed every single vaccine dose to providers across the state and yet obviously you know we've talked a lot about this perceived disparity between the number of doses distributed and the number of doses administered. Is there a problem with local departments or hospitals or somebody just not having been ready to distribute these vaccines on time, you know, despite everyone knowing for, for weeks now that a vaccine was coming? Like, like what's causing some of these, apart from, like you're talking about this supply from the, from the federal government, what's causing some of these delays in just getting people vaccinated? So I'm going to ask Trish Foster to come back up here, but I'm, I'm going to first uh, share an observation. I think it's important. And as I've been doing Zoom calls with different constituencies, this is a, a frequent question. And sometimes when I've explained it this way, people, you know, I think it, it makes sense. So I'm going to try it out on you and hopefully, hopefully you'll find it helpful as well. When we started with COVID, I observed there was not a national strategy and it was difficult. And it meant states had to figure out how to buy our own PPE and we did that. States had to figure out how to conduct testing. We did that too. But it took time to ramp up. The same is true for vaccines because there still isn't a national strategy. We are building this as we are going. We've been incredibly fortunate with all these partners and everyone is motivated to do the same thing. And by the way, they've all worked almost 24 seven for months on end. And it is grueling, tired, exhausting work. And we, we owe them our gratitude. But here's what I want to point out. Ramping up testing, where you can run people through pretty quickly, sign a form, do the test, off. That, can't, that doesn't happen in administration of vaccines. These vaccines have to be stored at incredibly cold temperatures. We have to have people fill out paperwork and schedule their second shot. This is time consuming. Then they have to have a shot, but they have to be administered by someone qualified to do that and have to have an EMT on site just in the very rare event that there is some sort of a reaction. And then they have to stay 15 minutes. All of these things happen for each of these administrations of the vaccine. And that is part of why it takes time to get these vaccines administered from when the health systems or the local public health departments receive them. We are pushing them out as soon as they come into our possession. 
but I want people to understand a little bit about that process. Uh, I'll ask Trish Foster to come up and, and add a little bit more uh, detail so that we can fully answer your question. Thank you. I think I got most of it. Uh, I was wondering if we were going to have a math problem here today, so I'll pull that up in a second if you wouldn't mind. But I want to speak to the one thing about, you know, weren't we ready? Let's, let's think back to December when we thought we were originally getting 300,000 vaccines and that number was curtailed significantly. Let's remember the population that we were supposed to vaccinate first, our healthcare workers who were treating patients during the biggest surge Michigan has ever seen. So I'm just gonna request a little grace and a little humility as we got ramped up. They did exactly what we asked. They are putting 90% of shots in arms on a weekly basis. They should be congratulated as heroes, not only on the front line, but heroes in the vaccination lines. It takes anywhere between 18 and 28 minutes per person to administer a vaccine. We took a different route. We wanted to do it orderly. We wanted to have people sign up for shots. Because of that, it's not instantaneous. It wasn't going to be instantaneous anyway. It takes time. With that, let's put up the math problem here. So, you know, <clears throat> what we do is we try to break it down. I think that both the governor and Dr. Jay have expressed maybe some frustration in the past about the CDC sites and the feeds and how many different uh, data systems play into this. So what we try to do is break it down in a different way. If you look at this first slide here, or this first bar, it shows everything that you would see on our dashboard. So the blue number there indicates every single shot that has actually gone in an arm, okay? The yellow is every shot that either has gone in an arm but hasn't been reported yet, they have 24 hours to do so, or every shot in an arm that is scheduled. This shows that 831,150 doses received are either administered or scheduled. That's a fact. The second slide, the second bar here shows our federal controlled long-term care program. I mentioned this in my dialogue, so did the governor. Right there it shows the amount of administered versus uh, unadministered but scheduled. You will see here that rate of pace or that rate of churn is lower than what you see on either side. That's because those are going a little bit more slowly, which is why we asked the federal government to add more partners to CVS and Walgreens so that we could move through the long-term care population and skilled nursing care population in our state more quickly. If you look at the far graph, it says Michigan controlled. This is the amount of vaccines that come into our state that go out to those 1,218 providers that we've indicated previously. What you'll see there in the blue, that's the amount of shots that are actually in arms. And in the yellow, it's the shots that are in the arms to be scheduled or have already been in an arm but haven't yet been reported because there's a 24-hour delay. The other problem with the middle bar, just so you all know, is that the long-term care program that's run by the federal government, they only have to report twice per week. We've reached out to both CVS and Walgreens and requested that they report to us on a daily basis so that we can manually update that. Did that answer all of your questions, sir? I'm, I'm still just a little bit, and I appreciate what you're saying about showing grace, and obviously everybody's been working very hard on this, but you know, health officials have known that there could be a vaccine 
for months, and I think residents are a little bit surprised that despite knowing about the fact that there could be a vaccine for months, that this perceived disparity, which you've done a very good job to discuss, remains and is persistent. Well, anywhere we don't have 100% of shots at arms within a weekly basis, that is a problem. But outside the scope of that, we have to allow the scheduling of the appointment so that it's an orderly process. What you will see, too, is that certainty helps drive results. Certainty also helps allow the plans that have been put forth to be implemented. As we get more supply, you will continue to see these numbers go up considerably. And so nobody is where we want to be at this state. We are getting better each and every day. And the greater the supply that we get, the easier it will be to get through that original plan of 50,000 shots at arms per day. Hello, Governor. I was just wondering, the biggest question we get, and you kind of touched on it in Zach's answer, is what is going to change between now and February 1st where people can be confident it's not going to be extended past then just yet again? Well, we're going to, obviously, we're going to keep watching the numbers. One of the things that we're really concerned about is this variant. The virus has mutated in the United Kingdom. It is here in the United States. There is a lag between a test and when it is detected. I was talking to Governor Cuomo the other day, and he said they send their samples into the CDC. It takes them two weeks to confirm whether or not they have the variant. And, of course, they have confirmed the variant is there. How much it's spreading, though, is it's, it spreads incredibly fast. We, fortunately, under the leadership of, of Dr. J, set up a state lab. We get our results back a week. Uh, so it's half the time, but still, we are looking for it. But this, if this, if and when, I should say when, this appears in Michigan, it is going to be a very concerning moment. And that's why our efforts to try to buy vaccines, to try to get the federal government to release the vaccines, to get the CDC to change their policy so more people are eligible, these are all really important because we are racing to try to get vaccines in arms uh, before this variant is has we see community spread in Michigan. So in the next two weeks, we're going to continue to uh, watch the numbers. We're going to continue to work with the industry, and I want to thank the Licensed Beverage Association for their their help and and their partnership. It's important that we get this right. We want to ensure that consumers, customers, workforce alike knows that when the re-engagement happens that they're going to be safe. That's crucial. Consumer confidence is a very important part of, of our economic resurgence and that's something that we all have to be focused on as well. Okay, Governor, the next question will come from Taylor with MLive. Hi, Governor. Good afternoon. Uh, a question um, regarding uh, we've heard um, in the last day or two that a lot of uh, Michigan Republicans saying that they they maybe are going to threaten to withhold funding if um, restaurants aren't allowed to reopen quickly. Is that a concern that you have? Is that a hurdle? And are you surprised uh, to hear that? Well, I, I am surprised in that. I think it's really unfortunate that um, the legislature, that there are members of the legislature who want to resort to threats to uh, open up restaurants, it, whether it's a threat to not um, see my appointees go through the process or it is a threat not to put money into things like, um, you know, our, our schools and our unemployed residents. Uh, I think it's, it's just really, um, 
it, it's really dangerous and it's really uh, irresponsible. I'm hopeful that they don't intend to carry these through because we are working to re-engage the sector of our economy. They've never been closed. They've got takeout possibilities. They've been able to do outdoor dining. We've worked to try to help meet their financial um, constraints as, as we've navigated things. You know, we want to continue to work. We want them to be successful, but threats from the legislature around decisions that have to be driven by the health of our people are precisely something that we've been unfortunately confronting throughout this crisis. And I'm hopeful that the legislature doesn't really intend to not put money into these important things that has come from the federal government. I'm hopeful that the legislature is not going to not see my appointees to things like the Child Abuse Neglect Prevention Board or Northern Michigan, Western Michigan, Michigan Tech, Central Michigan, you know, GVSU. These are appointees that matter and boards that matter all across the state. The State Transportation um, Commission. All of these are, are important appointments that have been threatened as well. Anyone who's been paying attention knows we're going to stay focused on the science and the data. We're going to make decisions that are in the best public health of the people of this state. And, and threats um, don't change that. It just actually makes it more dangerous for all of us when they politicize this so, so badly. Uh, got time for just a couple more questions. So we'll go to um, uh, Craig Monger with the Detroit News. Hey, Governor. Uh, thanks for taking my question. I'm curious what your response is to the letter that Lansing Mayor Andy Shore sent you yesterday asking you to get the National Guard prepared to come to Lansing potentially on Sunday. Thank you. Yep, I have had conversations with uh, Mayor Shore, and I can just um, tell you that what we are um, what we are seeing play out across our country right now is, is deeply concerning. And the insurgency that happened at the United States Capitol last week that led to the death of a Capitol police officer and, and a number of others, um, and the false bomb threats that that was the false bomb threat that was made here at our own Capitol. Um, our aim to intimidate and to threaten our, our democracy and our democratic processes. I can tell you personally, I know the feelings that um, accompany such threats. And I want to assure all the people of Michigan, these will not be taken lightly. I've been in continual conversation with our partners in law enforcement so that we can ensure the safety of Lansing residents as well as the security of the downtown area and the Capitol complex. The Michigan State Police is leading our efforts and coordinating with the Michigan National Guard as well as the Ingham County Sheriff's Department and the Lansing Police Department. So I've got confidence in the work that we are doing. We take it seriously. And um, it's not to say that there is an impending threat, but simply that we are prepared to respond to one accordingly. And I'll keep my eye on it, and I'll keep you informed as we um, as we get closer to the weekend. Okay, we'll go to Rachel with WMMT. Governor, this is Rachel Louise. Just, I am just uh, wanting you to clarify what exactly you mean by you're working with the National Guard. Do you plan to have them brought in at some point, and on what days would you be planning to have that happen? And also, 
piggybacking off of that, could you tell me, do you agree with uh, Attorney General Nessel's um, tweets yesterday saying that the Capitol is not, not safe right now? So I, I will simply say this. I, I'm speaking to you from the Capitol. Uh, the state police have uh, secured the Capitol, and I have got confidence that we will continue to be able to. Second, um, you know, the Michigan National Guard is in coordination with the Michigan State Police and Lansing Police Department and the Ingham County Sheriff's Department. Beyond that, we do not, as, a, as a, just a general matter, share uh, more intricate details of what those preparations look like. I can just say we are prepared if something should arise and hopeful that it does not. Great, Governor. The last question will come from Chelsea uh, Governor, do you, can you tell us, do you have any credible threats of violence at our state capitol, or is this just speculation? Uh, Tim, I can say that there is a, a lot of chatter that is being monitored both by our federal partners and by um, our state resources. And as for a specific threat, there's not any to my knowledge, but we can see that the conversation nationally is focused on the 17th. And uh, we're going to continue to stay close to our, our federal partners as we are, um, you know, thinking about how we ensure the safety of the Capitol complex and working closely with uh, police and law enforcement across the state. All right. Thank you, Governor. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.